Hi there, listener, and welcome to this ski podcast special interview with Jim Adlington. He is the founder of the UK snow sports brand Planks. And in this interview, we talk about how he got into skiing uh, from the Renegade uh, race team at Kids Grove Slope in Stoke uh, via Chamonix and Courcheval to Val d'Isere, how he became a sponsored rider for Salomon, uh, and how he moved on to setting up Planks itself uh, and their recent very successful crowdfunding campaign. Uh, a quick note, Jim is a very busy man. He was in his van when I spoke to him. There's a couple of clicks on the line, which I apologise for, uh, but I think it still comes across really well. So do enjoy this ski podcast special interview with Jim Adlington. So I'm, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Jim Adlington today, founder of the uh, British snow sports brand Planks Clothing. Hi, Jim. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Can I ask uh, where we're speaking to you today? Hi mate, how are you? I'm um, currently in France. I'm sat on a Chambry hospital car park of all places. Oh, uh, okay, right. I didn't realise you're out in France. Where are you basing yourself just now? Um, currently, I'm based in Val Um I've been there since October this year. And yeah, usually now my routine is six months in Val and six months in the office in Manchester. Right, um, okay. Okay, but I guess this has obviously been a weird winter for uh, for everyone, and I think yeah. you know pro- probably most of our listeners will be familiar with the brand uh, Planks Clothing. I think you know we'll we'll get on to when you started the brand, but I, I'd really like to just go a little bit back because you know we first met each other a long time uh, ago, and I think it was probably around where it all started for you, which was which was back in Stoke, wasn't it? Is that where you learnt to ski? Yeah, I think we yeah we probably met in '98, some somewhere like that. It was just uh, when I'd started um, sponsorship with Salomon. But yeah, before that, uh, my journey started at Kids Grove Dry Slope. So nine years old. Um, yeah, just going to the dry slope was my first first introduction to skiing. It, so, it's it's so interesting how so many people you know start off like that. I talked to Pat Sharples not so long ago, and I, I'll mention him again. But he obviously started off over in Rosendale, and there's so many other people like Woodsy started off at Sheffield, etc. And I think that that was you know quite a nice sort of community feel the way that slope worked down there. Yeah, like um, I think you know the UK the UK has a really strong uh, dry slope scene. And I think um, I think it's good the fact that you know a lot of good skiers are coming out of the dry slope and the dry slope scene, especially now. But back in the day, we used to, you know it was the only place um, you know I had access to at the very beginning. Didn't really have um, the opportunity to go out on snow or or no kind of you know no family circle that was into skiing. So we lived about five minutes from a local like dry slope council run dry slope. And uh, just got involved that way, really. Um, and it was, um, I think when we started, it was like 40 metres long with a little rope tow, so really small. <laughs> right. um, and it was all like old kit and it was all like, yeah, council run. So it was all like really old and, and kind of, yeah, not really that much fun. But I, I absolutely loved it and um, kind of started off uh, going down like, you know, there was a club there few years after um what like a, a local guy set a ski club up there and uh they kind of expanded and got bigger and bigger um so yeah just kind of going down there a lot 
every every night really before I kind of got introduced to snow. Um, and it was ran by a guy called Chris Paul, and he used to look after all the local kids that were like hanging around and started off Kids Grove Ski Club. Um, and that was that was the start of me, like, yeah, getting introduced into the ski scene, really. So um, you, so from there, then you decided that you needed to get a bit actual proper snow and and went out to the mountains. You did a few seasons. Yeah, so we did we did one or two ski trips, um, which because we got into like the racing, the dry site racing scene. Um, so we used to travel around the country going to going to races. But we were always like the renegade kids. Um, like we didn't have any money or we didn't have any like proper kit. Uh, we used to make our like race pads out of like drain pipes and <laughs> used to cut down used to cut down a plastic drain pipe and then strap it onto us and used to turn up in an old bus. Um, an old an old parcel um, parcel bus. Um, and everyone just thought we were like, you know, gypsies really. <laughs> Um, and everyone used to laugh, laugh at us because we were on like all old kit and none of us really knew what we were doing. And we, we the team actually used to do quite well. Um, but the guy that ran it was so into like off-piece skiing. Um, and instead of us going like on a race trip, he used to take us over to Chamonix. So my first experience of snow was going to on the Grand Monte, basically. We went over wow. to Chamonix for a week. And instead of doing any race training, he used to take us um, and ski off piece. Because at that time, we were all addicted to the Blizzard of Oz. I don't yeah. know whether people know the Blizzard of Oz. but I'm sure they will, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was one of the main reasons why a lot of um, a lot of people like headed over to the Alps, especially Chamonix at that time during the, well, it was 1988 and then early 90s, really. So, yeah, we used to go, we did a couple of ski trips to Chamonix. Uh, and then when I was 17, I, I kind of got a job and decided I was going to give up life in the UK and move over to France. And I got a job just, um, yeah, washing dishes for a, for a ski company. It was ski bound back in the day. Um, and yeah, went out to, went out to Courchevel for my first season and absolutely yeah. loved it. It was, uh, like the transition from going from a dry slope to then going to snow I skied on a dry slope for maybe 15 years and then went out onto snow and it was just like this is this is easy you know this <laughs> is like this is so much fun and got addicted then really that was that was when it really started for sure and you so you said you're a washer up and i think you know i did a few seasons and there's a although you don't get paid that much as a as a plongeur it's a one of the best jobs in the house isn't it because you have no responsibility once your job's done you're out there and you can get on the snow right <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And that was one of the main reasons for me taking it. Plus, I don't think I would have got a job doing anything else with my qualifications. I left school with with nothing, really, apart from being pretty good at skiing. So I could wash dishes and, um, yeah, just literally used to work, you know, a little bit in the morning and then in the evening used to ski all day. And it was it was the dream job for a 17 year old. Um, and yeah, no responsibility really. Um, not m not much ch has changed really in at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you say that. We'll come on to that and see see how that does change. But you ended up going over to Val d'Isère. You know, I mentioned I chatted to Pat Sharples a little while ago. There's a ski po uh, podcast special about that. He actually started in Courchevel, 
uh, as well. And I think you, you kind of had a sort of similar path because you, the the that kind of early uh, phase of, uh, of free skiers, I think you had like maybe Dave Young in Teen and, uh, and Jamie Strachan in Chamonix. And it was the skis that made things change. And I know you've told me before about how you first ever saw, you know, the Salomon 1080s and the difference it made to your uh, to your life. Were they not like in the ski room in your hotel or something like that? Yeah, so it was the second season I did in Valzer and they did a, a press week uh, right early on. And um, Eric Davis, who was the managing director of Salomon at the time, uh, came out and it was it was yeah the launch of the 1080 so the 1080 was launching the year after um, at the time I was like heavily into snowboarding as well I snowboarded quite, quite a lot on the dry slope and was snowboarding and skiing at the same time um, but skiing way much more, more once I'd gone to the snow and yeah just was hanging out with all the snowboarders in resort and kind of it was just at the early days of skiers getting into the snowboard park and trying to do um, the same kind of tricks but the equipment hadn't changed so we were still on Salomon like 10 um, two tens you know like really big straight skis yeah. and trying to do all these tricks and ski the terrain that the snowboarders were doing and it was it was impossible really um, and then yeah the moment of going down to the boot room in the evening and opening up this bag and seeing a uh, seen the Salomon 1080 for the first time and you know the whole um, Canadian Air Force was happening um, at that time as well so watching the footage coming from Canada and America and there was a really like big change happening right and then that ski just changed everything so getting I literally badgered Eric for a whole week just saying you've got to give me this pair of skis um, and he got so sick of me by the end of the week he ended up leaving me them so yeah, a bit of a, a bit of hustle got me onto the Salomon team, and um, and yet kind of everything changed from there for me, really. Um, and were you working with photographers because you ended up doing quite a few photo shoots and things like that? I mean, how yeah, did so, you you know use those skis? <laughs> so Eric, Eric's remit was, we'll give you some skis, and uh, if you do, you know, get a load of photos, and if you do a good job, then you you know you can go on the team. So he kind of set me a bit of a task. So then I went off and worked with the Unex back in the day and then ended up meeting Ross Woodall, which is, you know, someone people know. And um, yeah, just going going around, getting as many um, photos as possible. Then a year later, I actually got a proper deal with Salomon and then worked with Ross um, a lot. And we went, and Salomon as well, we went all over the, all over the world doing photo shoots and going to great places to ski. And, so you you ended up um, traveling ar uh, around, you know, with the team, with photographers, doing videos, etc. That sounds like the life. Yeah, it was. I was very fortunate to get involved, and you know, Pat was on the team as well. So I'd known Pat from a very long time from the dry slope, met him out in Courcheval as well. So we kind of became teammates at the time, and we used to travel around doing demos and going for photo shoots. And it was yeah, it was kind of surreal, really. Uh, it it was just like a bit of a rock star lifestyle at, at one point and um yeah getting paid to go around the world skiing for me coming from stoke was just was just amazing really so it does sound like a, a dream country but i guess you know for every kind of professional sports person you know that 
that section always comes to an end. And I, you know, I'd met you in in Val I met you on you know different events and things like this. And I remember you saying to me, you know, I, I don't know the exact year, but I was working for Natives at the time, and you saying to me, yeah, I'm going to start this brand, and it's going to be called Planks. And in the first year. We're just going to do hats and we're just going to have hats in Valdez. And I thought, right, OK, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> but is that, am I misremembering that or did that really happen? No, no, like I, everyone thought I was me- mental, really. <laughs> but that, that kind of came from, you know, what I was really grateful for was Salvin gave me an opportunity to kind of learn the industry. So in between ski seasons, I was working at the head office in, in Basingstoke and learning, you know, about the industry in the UK and going on demos and working with the reps to go around the store. So I learned quite a lot about the ski industry at that time. Um, and then just, and then in the summers from ski seasons, I used to go and work down in Cornwall and work in a surf shop. So I got a lot of contact with all the surf reps and people starting little cottage brands down there. And I always had a bit of a flair for, for being creative at school. I was only really ever good at art um, and, and sport. Um, so I'd, I'd kind of always had this bit of an idea that I'd like like to start a bit of a brand because a couple of my mates in Cornwall had started little like cottage industry brands almost just screen printing t-shirts so I'd seen people actually like do it so I didn't really think you know it wasn't that hard really um, so yeah just had a bit of a bit of an idea come to it at the end of my skiing career and just decided you know what we'll start a little ski brand because there's no there was no like ski brand for skiers really at the time. Um, everyone was wearing like snowball brands, and obviously the, there were a few like in America, but no no real British ones just aimed at free skiing. So I was like, well, you know, let's let's start something, and how hard can it be, really? And um, never really realised <laughs> what I was actually the mountain I was just about to climb, really. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been an incredible journey just to where we are now from, from yeah. the start. You you must have been very, you know, very patient, you know, starting it off like that and you know, not over committing yourself. And I, I, I personally thought from a like a branding point of view, it was really clever the way you got the brand seeded out there. And it was, you know, the season workers were all wearing it first and you know, people knew planks uh, you know, very much uh, you know, on that level. And and as you say, no one was really providing clothing for freestyle skiers, loads of snowboard uh, stuff. But one of the things that, you know, has always struck me about planks is that drop cliffs, not bombs, is just such a brilliant line. You know, how did, where did that one come from? How did that come to you? Um, I, I actually think I saw it written on a, on a wall, like in a, like somewhere in a ski resort, like just penciled somewhere. Yeah, it so was a bit of graffiti. That, yeah, a bit of graffiti. And it was kind of like a saying that was, we were kind of like, thrown around at the time as a bit of fun like a bit of a slogan and then it just kind of made sense to kind of like own it with planks really it was it was just one of those sayings that we were kind of like throwing about right and um and that was that was the tagline to the brand and uh it's kind of stayed ever since really like we we dip in and out to how much we use it um but um but yeah it's definitely a strong a strong slogan but the idea of the brand was you know was was a ski company and I think the name I was a little bit unsure about the name I had more names like knocking around at the time when we were when we were doing it but the idea was to start a ski brand 
and that's had its like pros and cons as well really but i think the identity people people actually straight away know it's a ski brand and that's what we wanted to achieve or i wanted to achieve back in the day really yeah uh, well like i mean that certainly that certainly came across really strong and in fact one of your first um uh, maybe i don't know if it's your most successful t-shirts but it's a, the skier t-shirt right it was yeah. one of the first ones yeah we kind of took a you know a bit of inspiration from line you know i'm a, I'm a skier t-shirt that they did and we yeah. just thought like you know having that like identity because skiers didn't you know the freestyle ski ski scene was just gaining its uh, you know its identity at that point it was kind of transitioning from everyone in snowboard kit and and it was kind of like it really worked at the time um and yeah there's been you know many many kind of like slogans that have identified the brand you know yeah um, and another key part of the brand that you know that planks is known for is sustainability um I, I i don't know all of the details but i'm pretty sure that you use a lot of uh, kind of recycled yarn from plastic bottles a lot of the products are made from that and um certain fabrics etc you know what point did you decide that you were going to go down that route well really kind of all started from you know the word sustainability kind of the way we started the brand was really grassroots and diy right so the first, the kind of collections we used to do, I used to rock up to a mate who had a printing shop in Bristol and literally just take all his overstock. So any any kind of t-shirts and hoodies that he had on a big order um, and they were just sat in, in the stock room that were kind of like just sat there doing stuff. And I kind of started the brand that way. So it was already in my kind of blood to want to do this like, this this upcycling kind of thing a little bit from the start right and we always kind of like i did a lot of the hand printing myself all the kind of original labels were you know hand printed and then as we got into moving from that to production the kind of thought of how we're going to make this like eco-friendly and sustainable we just didn't know like there was no kind of information like back then, like talking about organic cotton, it was like, well, how do we get, you know, how do we get the factories? And just getting a factory to, to, to do a normal t-shirt for us was hard enough because we did everything ourselves. So we kind of diverted a tiny bit because we just wanted to get the brand out there. And then it was probably about four years, five years into a start in the company when we did get to a stage where we had the finance and experience and kind of more contacts to actually get the more sustainable fabrics off the ground really so yeah we, we switched everything to using uh, a company called reprieve which is like a traceable yarn supplier yeah um, and so yeah the majority of our products now are all made out of um out of, re out of recycled fabrics so it's reprieve basically the yarn yeah, I mean, it feels like you're well ahead of the curve uh, on that. And, you know, because it's become so much more, I think, important to consumers and particularly the consumers in your market as well, which should, you know, typically be a younger market. I know it might have uh, changed a little bit uh, recently. But, you know, things have obviously changed a lot because I think, was it, what, 2008 when Planks was founded? Is that right? Yeah, around about there. Um, yeah. Like we we started, like, like I said, we started 
so grassroots and everything that we we earned went back into the company. So me and my business partner, the co-founder, Hugh, um, we kind of like worked in the summers. Like I'm a plaster and or was a plaster in the summer to pay for the winters to to put money in the business. So we've kind of oh, oh, self-financed it until about four years ago, and then we got um we got a proper investment, and that's when we've really like started to grow and turbocharge the business. Yeah, well, I've seen that you know growth has been has been very good, and uh, we'll, we'll come on to that. I mean, I, I saw uh, a few years ago, twenty nineteen, in fact, I think it was, you announced a tie up with GB Snow Sports. So you're you're actually, if I understand this correctly, kitting out a lot of the park and pipe skiers, skier and snowboard cross, some of the para skiers as well. Will will we see Planks clothing worn by them at the Winter Olympics? Um, I don't. Well, it's a bit top secret at the moment because we're just working a few things out. But um, the they do wear our clothes, and alongside a couple of brands as well. I know Wonski um, sponsored the the bump the bump the mogul team, and we do right. the, we do the um, the the park and pipe, uh, which is a nice you know it's nice a collab to get like a couple of British brands involved with the team, which I think is really cool. For sure. And obviously, um, James Woodsy Woods, I mean, he's been, you've had a signature series for him for quite some time now, haven't you? Yeah, Woodsy, again, knowing Woodsy back in the day and uh, building a good relationship with him. He uh, started off on planks in the early days and then we kind of lost him to Quicksilver, which was a bit of a blow, but amazing for his career. Yeah. When when the Quicksilver contract ran out, we decided to sit down with him and see if there was a deal to be done. And uh, yeah, having Woody on the team for us is 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 mind blowing. Really, like he's such a good asset, and he's you know to have one of the best, if not the best, gear in the UK, in Europe, in one of the best in the world on on our brand, and being a British company is is kind of really really cool for me. Yeah, well, I really hope you know. I say you say it's a, a you know top secret, or you know we'll find out more. But I hope there is some exposure for for planks at Beijing. But as you said, business is growing fast anyway. I think you've seen kind of growth of around forty percent per year for the last few years. Got sales all over the uh, world. You know, revenue's gone up, and and recently you started a crowdfunding campaign. And I had a look at it the other day, and you seem to have smashed your target completely. Yeah, I think you raised maybe like a million pounds from that. It must have been an incredible yeah, just, success for you. We're a little bit short. We're, we're about forty grand short of a million, but we we're pretty <laughs> um we're pretty we're pretty happy, if not blown away by by the campaign. It was getting a little bit nerve wracking, you know, having eighteen months off not trading because of COVID, yeah. and uh, the crowdfunding campaign has basically been a necessity to to keep us in the game really and to get support from investors and, and people that can see the potential in the brand and didn't want us to fail because of the situation and, and that's kind of where we we're at like you know it's really really scary when the resort closed not last winter but the winter before like two months early um and yeah it's been a real real blow for the ski industry and i think uh the fact that we're here and we've smashed this campaign just shows that the brand's really strong and the team that we've got is really, uh, really capable and we're definitely resilient. Well, it is. And I can just tell you purely anecdotally, you know, I was at a, a friend's house a while ago and he, you know, he does ski from time to time, but he's not a member of the ski industry or anything like this. And he said, Oh, look at this stuff I've just bought. 
And he is uh, on some crowdfunding um, uh, mail list. He got the details. He had a look at it. He thought this looks good. And he went out and bought a couple of hoodies and a couple of T-shirts straight away for his kids as well. And I said, oh, I know those people. Yeah, you know, you'll probably you'll probably see them. So, that, I mean, that must mean, though, that you have a lot more security with that money coming in. It's going to enable you to take the next step. What will uh, the next step be for Planks then? Well, uh fingers crossed we're going to have a bit more of a normal winter next year and i think um we've set we've kind of set the target a little bit more reserved as as i want to say for next next season just because the you know the total unknown again really so we're kind of just battening down and having a a winter where we can just get through again and be safe um and then the growth will come the year after i guess but basically we just want to build really good products do a lot for the ski industry make sure that what we do is is right for manufacturing and the environment as much as you can do in an industry like ours and just kind of help promote british skiing and skiing worldwide really and i think um i think having a brand you you know you've you've not just got a responsibility for making great product but a responsibility for promoting what you do really and i think that being a big a big part of the brand and that's mainly because of just the journey that you know me and my friends have been on really like people like pat and kind of like the ski industry is a real place that can grow lots of different things right so kind of supporting different people in different communities is is kind of just as important as making great product for the brand really well i wish you all all the best with that because it's been you know an incredible journey so far like you were talking about going from you know 1990s uh skiing in uh in stoke to courcheval val d'azer you know being a plonger and now running a business uh you know multi-million pound business uh in the alps which is a british business you know with british athletes wearing it so you know well done to you uh jim and you know i've really enjoyed having thank a chat you. with you about it thank you very very much Hi, listener. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast special. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that if you enjoyed it, you can buy me a cuppa at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ski podcast. Um, All contributions are always very welcome. Thank you very much.